talking about catching the scent of the house. And what it really is is catching the scent of what God wants to do here, what God wants to do in, in the earth, but just right here in this little spot in Burlington at High Street Worship Center. And Holy Spirit doesn't move any different anywhere else than he moves here. But he wants, he, he, he's taking us on a stepwise journey, like I said, to learn him and to know him better. So you guys with me today? Can we learn about the word of God a little bit today? Yes, yes, yes. I'm so glad you're on board. I am so glad. So let's start. We're talking about the word of God. And that's, um, there, there's so many things that, that God wants us to know. And he takes us in incremental steps. We learn so much as we go along. But the word of God, scripture, is the foundation, stability, as well as guardrails for every believer in every congregation. So here's the thing. We can, we can look at the Bible and know that those words are his words, but we also have to know his heart. We have to know his intentions, his character, his desires for us. This might sound a little funny. I shared this the other night when we were here. You can make the Bible say things that aren't really God's character. <laughs> Somebody showed me something one time, and there's a scripture that says Jesus hung himself. I mean, I'm sorry, Judas hung himself. Then there's another scripture that says go and do likewise. Now, how many know that's not God's desire or intention for us? It's a little crazy, but you have to know what God's intent and heart is as well. I used to look at the scripture. Um, so how many people start reading the Bible and, and read the King James Version? You know the King James? So when I, when I look for scriptures now, a lot of times I read it in the New Living Translation. But to find it, I could go back to the King James because that's the only way that I remember it because that's how I learned. That's how I grew up. And so I read the, the, the New Living Translation a lot. But there's a scripture, John 14, 15, it says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And for so many years, I sort of saw a pointing finger, if you know what I mean. Like, if you love me, you sh you, you're going you're to need to keep my commandments. I mean, keep my commandments, and that's going to show that you love me. And that never really jived with me. Anybody kind of, you know, had a problem with, like, like, God being a little maybe judgmental, and, you know, like, that's not really his character. He loves me. He's trying to help me. He's trying to build me up. And so I asked him, I said, God, what, you know, help me to see this a little better. So I started asking him and looking at different translations of that scripture, and I found one in the Passion Translation. Anybody read the Passion Translation? It's so awesome. If you don't, if you, if you don't have the Bible app, Get the Bible app and like look at some different translations. But when I got to that, when that was actually published you know, several years ago, it hasn't been around for a long, long time, it says this, loving me empowers you to obey my commandments. I'm like, oh, God, that sounds more like you. So if I learn you and learn to love you, then all those things that maybe I haven't had the strength or ability to do, you give me the power to do it because I'm learning to love you. Isn't it cool? So it becomes an encouragement. It becomes an empowerment as opposed to an instruction. God does give instructions, but he always gives us the power and the love and the strength to do it. He is so good. Isn't he good? 
loving me empowers you to obey my commands. So I want to share with you this morning four things that the Word of God does in our lives. So we're talking about the Word, what it's for, what it does, and quite obviously, I'm not going to give you an exhaustive list, but we're going to start with the scripture this morning. And we're reading from, and there are some I'm going to use in the Passion Translation and some in the New Living Translation. So if you don't have those, you can pretty well follow along in whatever you're looking at. But Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3, in the Passion Translation says this. What delight comes to the ones who follow God's ways? He won't walk in step with the wicked, nor share in sinner's way, nor be found sitting in the scorner's seat. His passion is to remain true to the word of I am, meditating day and night on the true revelation of light. He will be standing firm like a flourishing tree, planted by God's design, deeply rooted by brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of life. He is never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. Anybody in this room want to be never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous? Any of those things? All of those things? It's all in his word. Isn't that awesome? It is all found in his word and the intents of his heart. So from the scripture, let me share four things. There are more, there are more, so you can go look for them yourself. But let me share with you four things that the word of God does. First, it plants us. It plants us. And some scriptures, some translations uh, translate that word plants as transplants. Because we were all planted someplace else, weren't we? And Jesus pulls us up from where we are and takes us to a place of blessing. I, use, I think about, you ever see those landscaping trees where they're you know, planting trees in another place and they're these big trucks? And they had planted these trees someplace to nurture them and grow them and they put the mesh around them and they carry them and they transplant them to the place where they're gonna grow and be taken care of. That's what came to my mind. It's like they were one place, we were one place. And I don't know about you guys, but some of the places I were was, wasn't too great. Anybody in some not too great places before you found Jesus or before Jesus found you? You didn't find him, he found you. He was never lost, never, never, never lost. He takes us and he transplants us. As a matter of fact, Psalm 92.13 in the Passion Translation says, you've transplanted them, that's us, into your heavenly courtyard where they are thriving before you. Jesus doesn't just want us to live. He doesn't just want us to survive. He doesn't, that sometimes I'll ask people how they're doing, they say, I'm hanging on. He doesn't want us to do that. He wants us, wants us to thrive. Thriving looks like that thing I saw in that scripture earlier. Never withering, always prospering, ever blessed, ever prosperous. That sounds like thriving to me. If you haven't before, raise your hand if you want to thrive with Jesus. Awesome. And anybody who didn't raise your hand, you're going to thrive with Jesus just because you're sitting in this room today, I guarantee you. So, number one, he plants us or he transplants us into places of health, places of blessing. 
Number two, he nourishes us. So he doesn't just take us in one place and then plant us in another place. He nourishes us and give us, gives us everything that we need when we get transplanted into him. There's, um, there's a tree in my backyard. I don't really remember the name, but I think my son said that it might be a cherry blossom tree, but I'm not sure. It has pink flowers. Anybody, you know, like it's a small tree and has pink flowers on it during the spring. Is that cherry blossom? Yeah, anybody know trees? Sounds like it might be. Really beautiful tree. Now, we had a lot, a lot of trees in our backyard when we first moved there. But if you guys know in this area when there's storms, you just never know when a tree is coming down, right? So my husband was in the business for the last several years of taking trees down, but there was one tree in the center of the yard that stayed. It was my cherry blossom tree. The one that this time of year, you just kind of sit there and look at it because it's so pretty and you know they're only going to stay for a couple weeks, right? Well, this last season, okay, so let me bring in a, a, a weird connection here. I have two dogs. So I'm going to tell you this. If you know me for any length of time and have a conversation with me for more than five minutes, you're probably going to hear about my dogs. Yes, I have a husband. Yes, I have children, but I'm probably going to talk about my dogs at some point. So I'm sorry. I have a t-shirt that says, uh, I'm sorry I was late. I saw a dog. That's just me. And so the dogs have started. I have two boy dogs. So you guys know how boy dogs go to the bathroom, right? Okay. Yeah. So this is the tree that they chose to pee on. And so they, they run outside. And I'm like, go to that bush, go to that tree. And they're a little defiant, which makes my husband mad. That's another subject for another day. And they, so, and they have just been routinely. So ammonia is probably not the best nourishment for a tree. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. I figured that out after half of the tree started to die. And so we're like, okay, well, now we have to, you know, cut some branches off. And we didn't take care of the tree. We didn't nourish the tree with what it needed. And we didn't keep the tree from my two dogs. They were depositing ammonia daily, two and three times a day. That's not God. He takes us, he transplants us, and then he starts pouring on us everything that we need to grow and to flourish. Ezekiel 47, 12 says this, and this is from the New Living Translation. And if anybody's been around here for a little while, we're talking about Ezekiel and how it's a river that flows from the temple and into the streets. So this is, this is verse 12. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. Oh, always want fruit on our branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. Now, most trees are, especially fruit trees, are seasonal, right? So we can get uh, different fruits from all over the country, but when it's in season, that's when, like, fall is when you get all the good apples, right? And summer is when you get all the good peaches. Anybody like the summer peaches that come? I wait for them, man. I just, I go to the store and I get a bunch of them and let them get ripened. He nourishes us. He gives us what we need. 
in every place that we need it, in every circumstance of life. Number three, we produce fruit that will last. It produces fruit that will last. So like I, I got ahead of myself. So most, freeze are, most trees are seasonal, but the most flavorful, most beautiful fruits come in the season that they're meant to grow. So I mentioned about the peaches. Now every year for like two months, you guys are Jersey. I can't do this in Philly, but you guys are Jersey. Jersey tomatoes, come on. Nobody waits for Jersey tomatoes. They are the best tomatoes I, I have eaten in restaurants all over. These are the best tomatoes. I buy them, I put salt on them, I eat them, I just wait for, but it's only for that short season. Peaches are like that, cherries are like that. If you don't grab them when they're there, they'll be gone. God says, when you trust in and rely on his word, there is no season that your fruit won't flourish. There is no time that it won't be beautiful and flourishing and full. God says he'll cause our lives to be bearing fruit in every season. Now, I was talking about fruit and climate pretty much when you talk about fruit. But what does that mean for us? Do we have seasons of darkness? Do we have seasons of pain? Do we have seasons of triumph and victory? We have seasons of promotion and demotion. You know, maybe the boss called you into offices and said, uh, we're downsizing. You know, take two hours or take none at all. Okay, so I'll take the two. Our fruit still flourishes because we're basing our lives on the word and not on what's happening around us. The word is so solid. It is where we live. It is where we get everything from every season. I think this means God knows that there are all kinds of seasons we'll experience in our lifetime, but that we can, even in difficult seasons, delight in and meditate on his word, and fruit will be produced in our lives. Psalm 92, 14, and this is from the Passion Translation, says this, For in your presence they will still overflow and be anointed. These scriptures are so full. Even in their old age, they will stay fresh, bearing luscious fruit and abiding faithfully. When I stay close to you, make my word, make your word my pursuit. So that's good news to old folks like me. Even in my old age, <laughs> there's gonna be fruit in my life that won't wither in every single season. So and I have a group participation question. This is a question and answer. What is fruit for? It's not a trick question, it's an easy question. What is, what is fruit for? Nourishing, eating, right? So if you're growing fruit that's luscious and big and, have you ever seen an apple tree pull back its own apples to eat them? I know that's kind of weird, but who is fruit for? It's for others. Isn't that awesome? So we think about all these great things that God's bringing to our lives. We're flourishing. We're growing fruit. But the fruit is for the nourishment of other people around us. It's not just 
for us. My husband uses this example when we're doing marriage counseling, that if you have an apple and you want more apples, you don't eat the whole apple. You take part and you take the seeds and plant them so you can get another tree of apples. That just has to do with relationships. That's, just, that's, a, that's a freebie. If you got a relationship, don't eat all the apple. Pour some back into the other person. But that's what God gives us. He gives us fruit because fruit is meant it's for us, yes, to, to make us strong and vital, but it's also to pour in to other people. Number four, he makes and keeps us free. The word makes and keeps us free. John chapter 8, verses, when we're going to go with, to verses 28 to 32. John 8, 28, starting at verse 28, going to 32, and I'm reading this in the New Living Translation. So Jesus said, when you've lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, you will understand that I am he. I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father has taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him. Then many who heard him say these things believed in him. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you, help me, free, free, free. We were slaves. A lot of us, I didn't, I didn't know I was a slave. But we were, we were slaves. But I thank God that Jesus has made me free. Let me define freedom for you. Sometimes when we think of freedom, we think it's the ability to do whatever we want to do. That's not really freedom, not how God defines it. That's not how God says it. Freedom doesn't mean we're free to do whatever we want. When we were separated from God by sin, we had no choice but to continually make those bad decisions. We didn't have a choice. We didn't have the ability. Now, we made some good decisions and did some good things, but then there was always that nature, who we are and who we belonged to, that didn't allow us to make the good decisions. I think of this. The enemy is a puppet master. You ever seen marionettes where they have those I'm going to date myself a little bit. Anybody remember the old animated Pinocchio? I mean, I guess I'm not really dating myself. As Disney movies are timeless. But there's a song in there that's so weird. It came to my head as I was doing this. I had strings, but now I'm free. There are no strings on me. Do you remember that song? Oh, come on, you guys. Do you remember that song? I had strings, but now I'm free. There are no strings on me. And I thought about that. It's like I didn't even realize that there was somebody pulling the strings. But Jesus, he cut the strings. And I was no longer slave to what the enemy wanted me to do. He chose, Jesus died to give us the ability to choose the things that bring life to us and to others. Let's look at Romans 6. 
I'm looking at Romans 6, verse 16, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Romans 6, 16 in the Passion. Don't you realize that grace frees you to choose your own master? But choose carefully for who you surrender yourself to become a servant bound to that one you choose to obey. If you choose to love sin, it will become your master and it will own you and reward you with death. But if you choose to love and obey God, that is his word, he will lead you into perfect righteousness. So he makes us free and he keeps us free but he keeps us free by giving us the ability to say the yeses to him. Can you join me this morning just for a second and say, yes, Jesus? So you know you just said something really dangerous, right? Like, <laughs> you said yes, you don't know what he's going to tell you. Or like Abraham, he said, Abraham, go. And Abraham, he had no idea he was going, but he trusted God. And we trust his word. So it's okay to say yes ahead of time. And actually that kind of sets you up because when he tells you something that maybe you don't really want to do, God ever tell you guys something you really don't want to do? Like somebody hurt your feelings, he's like, okay, they were wrong, but you forgive them. What? They did it, what do I? He's like, blessed are the peacemakers, go make peace. Ever tell you something like that? Man, it's hard on the flesh. <laughs> Thank you. Michael raises his hand. He's the only one. Nobody had those hard things. I got you. But Jesus gives us the ability to make those choices where we didn't have them before. But a word of warning, and it's to all of us, and I didn't give them this scripture. I'll just give it to you. First Corinthians 10.23 in the New Living Translation. That's First Corinthians 1023 says, I'm allowed to do everything, but not everything is beneficial. So there's freedom, and there's freedom to do many things. And let me, let me share this with you. It just came into my heart, my head. There is freedom, but God knows each one of us and how we're built, how we're designed, how we're made, um, the things that might trip us up. He talks about the, the weights and the sins. That, that, that we all might have that, that kind of get in the way of hearing from him and doing the things that, that, that he desires for us to do. You can't compare yourself to other people when you talk about what, you, what is good for you to do and, you, or, and not to do. You may have the freedom to do some things that because of who I am and because of how God made me, I don't have the freedom to do. Not because he doesn't want me to do it, because he knows it's going to lead me someplace that, that is not good for me or for anyone else. So if you hear that voice in your head, or better yet, in your heart, that says, don't do that, never have the conversation that says, but that other person is. God's like, I'm not talking to the other person. I'm talking to you. You are free but what you want to do is not going to be beneficial to you. So I'm telling you because I'm your dad. I'm your Abba. I love you. So yes, you're free. But I don't want to see you tied up in something. 
I don't want to see you separated from me. And not separated in the fact that I'm not going to be with him and see him, be with him for eternity. But I can't hear him as well anymore. I, I, there are things that have gotten in the way. So never, ever have the conversation of comparing what someone else is free to do and what you're free to do. Or the flip side of that, if you see someone doing something, and, and there are, come on, we know God's holy. There are outright, there are lines, there are, God is holy. God is a holy God, and there are standards that he has. But then there are some things that are in the, in the category of you're free to do it, right? You're free to do it. Someone else may have the freedom to do something that you don't. And it's okay because that's them and not you. And it doesn't mean you can't walk with them because they have the freedom to do something and you don't. God has a way to make unity and harmony no matter what. I, no matter what. Believer, unbeliever, God's presence can show up and make unity and harmony. Just a side note, quick side note. This, this has happened several times, but I'm remembering a story of my kids being in airport and something happened with the flight and the, there are a bunch of people at the desk, and you know how folks get at the airport. It's like, I want to get on my plane. I want to go home. Where I want to go wherever I'm going. And they couldn't get there, and my son and daughter stood up to the side and just started praying. Now, these, I don't know who these people are, Christians, non-Christians, you know, just a bunch of people. And they stood off to the side and started praying and declaring peace. They said within minutes, all of the hullabaloo died down at the counter. So I love it how it's awesome that God allows us to be in a place and bring his presence and pray. But sometimes if we aren't listening, if we allow those things in our lives that God said, uh-uh, we don't have the same kind of effectiveness. I want to stay as close to God as I possibly can. I want to hear his heart as carefully as I can. Am I alone? Does anyone want to hear the voice and the heart of God so that we can follow? I love the Lord. His presence is awesome. And it is good for everything and everywhere. No one and nothing is exempt. He's so good. So finally, let me share this scripture with you. John 8, 31. And I'm not sure I gave this, them this one in the King James Version. Then said Jesus to those Jews who believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples. If you continue in my word, then you're my disciples. So let me share this final thought with you. Starting is good. Continuing is better. Starting is good. Continuing is better. Now, this time of year in um, Philadelphia, and I don't know if, if that's something that you guys dial into, but it's a really big deal in Philadelphia, and also you know, around the country if you're into athletics, is the Penn Relays. Anybody heard of the Penn Relays? So University of Pennsylvania, every year for a whole lot of years, it's a big, big tradition. 
teams come from all over the country to compete in different categories of, of athletics. Most, I think mostly running, but different categories. So what would it look like if there was a relay race, which I think, you know, means like four people, right? You start and three or four people and they, they run and they hand off the baton and the next guy runs. What if the first guy started running, stopped halfway and stood there with his baton? He started really good, but how many know in that situation, continuing is a whole lot better? Starting is good, continuing is better. I wish Amy were here because she could help me. Amy, who does um, your healthy temple. There's a phenomenon that, occur, phenomenon that occurs every year. If you go to the gym, first of January, it is packed. There are, you can't find a parking space. It is packed. You got to sign up. The one I go to, you got to sign up for classes ahead of time. You go to sign up for classes. If you don't do it right away, the classes are full and people are in there. The ladies are in there and their eyelashes and they're just, everybody's getting it in and it's full until like the first week in February. Starting is good, continuing <laughs> is better. So maybe they got some results in those first few weeks, but if they had continued out to two months, three months, six months, they would probably see the results of what they initially went to the gym for, right? Our ultimate example is Jesus. Jesus... He, ult he won the ultimate freedom because he continued and because he finished strong. How many of us want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant? When Jesus calls, I want to hear him say, well done, Pam. You ran the race. You continued. You stayed in my word. Yeah, you tripped a couple times. Is that that's okay to say? Is that okay to say? There, there were some hiccups. <laughs> but you stuck to me. I drew you with my loving kindness, and you stayed with me. Well done, my good and faithful servant. The word is so amazing. The word tied with our... Uh, desire to hear his heart, his intent, his, his way of doing things. It does so much, but remember, it does these four things. I'm going back, I'm going back. It plants, the word plants us. It nourishes us. It produces fruit that will last all right, Q&A. Who's fruit for? Oh, they're so good. You guys are good. And number four, it makes and keeps us free. We are free. You are free. I don't know what you're going through today. I heard someone say at the conference um, that I went to this weekend, um, Everyone's, everyone has a burden that they're carrying. Everyone. The strongest person that you see or that you perceive, or the person who 
You don't even know. Every person is carrying something, but there's nothing that Jesus doesn't have an answer for. There's nothing that he can't fix. There's not, no problem that he can't solve. And I know this sounds like something that you've heard before, but you're going to hear it again and again until God convinces you that where you are is not where you're going to be. That there is fruit that is designed to be grown in your life. But the word nourishes it. The word nourishes it. So, word of God. Anybody going to read it this week? Anybody going to think on, chew on, meditate on it this week? Come out Wednesday night to unpack the point if you have time from 7 to 8 to help you even more hear and get, get connected to the God through his word. He is awesome. If you don't know he's awesome, hang around him a little while. He is awesome. And we are free. I had strings, but now I'm free. There are no strings on me. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for the worship that was in each part I could feel your presence. I could see on the hearts and the faces of people that you were touching them and building them up. Thank you for being here today. We commit right now to be students, to be lovers, to be eaters of your word, to grow and to thrive where you planted us because that's what your word does. It nourishes us. It, it does so much in our, because everything, your word is everything attached to your presence and who you are. So thank you for just revealing just a little more of yourself to us here today and for continuing to draw us with your loving kindness, not with an accusing finger. You're never coming with an accusing finger, God, but to love us into a place of wholeness and health and producing fruit that will nourish others. So thank you for today. We praise you. We honor you in Jesus' name.